0: Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. This life can put a lot of demands on us to perform and succeed in business, education, athletics, and even at home. Have you ever wondered, though, what God's definition of success is? What does He want from you? The answer to these questions could be slightly different for each one of us, but there are some foundational elements that are the same for everyone. In our new series, Becoming God's Best for You, we'll explore what it is that God really wants for us individually and how you can become the best version of you as God desires. We believe He wants to speak to you today, so sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live and it starts right now.
1: Good morning. If you are a first-time guest visiting with us, and I know we have some, I think I maybe met all of you, but I'm Lynn Parsons, I'm the lead pastor of day three, and we will welcome you to our service. Before we jump into the message today, because it'll be Memorial Day weekend, uh, I want us to do something that we uh, are going to talk about today. The, the topic, main topic, main focus, is going to be prayer in the message today. But I want us to go to the Lord in prayer Uh, giving him thanksgiving for those that paid the ultimate price in order that we might have our freedom to meet here today. Sometimes people get confused in their minds between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Veterans Day, the person served our country, but they made it home. Memorial Day, they died serving our country. And and that's a huge difference. And uh, I think we need need to go to the Lord in prayer and uh, honor that. I'm going to ask Rick Little to come. Rick and myself... um, When I used to have a motorcycle, we uh, did several Patriot Guard events together in the past. We both stood there uh, for uh, not just veterans that had died and gone on, but also for fallen soldiers. Uh, I was looking at some stats uh, last night, and there was a photograph online uh, last night of one of the boats uh, landing on the beach in Normandy uh, on D-Day, and there were about 36 men in each one of those boats. On average, only six men per boat uh, survived. Uh, the landing that day. Uh, by 2 p.m. that day, over 2,000 Americans were dead on the beach. Uh, one uh, German machine gunner that survived uh, said that he fired over 15,000 rounds of ammo himself. And I guess that's just one story of many uh, of the price and the bravery that people have paid in order that we might have freedom today. So uh, join us in prayer. and Rick, if you would come lead in this prayer, please. man. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you get to go to the beach today and swim on the beach and everything, but remember these young men that was 18, 19 years old that the pastor was talking about going up on this beach where there's bombs exploding, seeing your friends getting blown apart and everything. You know, Jesus said that a good, true friend that somebody had to lay his life down for you. And uh, let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we want to thank you for this day, Father. We pray for all the soldiers that have fought and died for this country. But most of all, Father, we thank you for your uh, son, Jesus Christ, that he laid his life down for each and every one so that we could have this freedom too, freedom from sin. God, for that you be with the pastors. He brings us great message today. Lead us, and Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will be upon each and every one of us here. We give you praise and honor and glory, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We are in a series uh, that we've entitled Becoming God's Best for You. Uh, We started it uh, three weeks ago today. Uh, We began the series by talking about how uh, becoming God's best for us uh, required for us to have a biblical view of God's Word. And the reason that's true, if if you don't believe the Bible, if you don't accept the Bible as God's Word, then everything else in this series, or matter of fact, any other Sunday or any other series we might do, will not have the impact it ought to have unless you believe the Bible is the Word of God. So that's why we started there. Our second step in becoming God's best for you, uh, we talked about salvation, more or less, by walking through some verses in Romans uh, chapter 3. Uh, whereby we said that in order for you to experience God's best for you, you need to, first of all, admit who you are, because we've all sinned. Amen. We all fall short of God's glory. We also need to trust in what Christ has done. He's the one that was our propitiation. He's the one that paid with his shed blood, so that through faith in him, we can have everlasting life. Today, we're going to take the third step, in becoming God's best for us. And, and God's best is found in communicating with him. And, of course, we're talking about prayer, as it says in the, in the parentheses there. Uh, when you think about a relationship, and, guys, that's what God wants. Understand that up front. God doesn't want us just to have a bunch of religion. God wants a personal relationship with you. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross. He wants a personal relationship with you. Well, to have a, a good relationship with anyone, it requires a two way communication, doesn't it? Huh? If, if there's only one person doing all the talking, whether it be in marriage or in friendship or in a job or whatever, and only one person is doing all the talking, then the relationship isn't really going to be all that is going uh, to be or all that it should be. That's why we need to let God speak to us through his word. That's God communicating with us. But we need to communicate back to him in prayer. And the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. So I want to tell you up front uh, because of the number of verses, I, I'm not doing my normal thing of reading a passage or doing any word studies or anything like that, because I wanted to give you a bigger picture of prayer, more holistic view of prayer. And uh, you probably need just to write the thoughts down in the verse reference, <laughs> uh, and you can look at it later. Plus, it'll be online on our website. You can look at it later, because I'm getting ready to throw a lot of thoughts and a lot of verses at you about prayer. Now, that being said, I want all the kids to look my way. All the kids, because I know we've got a lot of the children here. All the children look my way just for a minute, okay? Uh, I'm going to be reading a lot of verses of the Bible uh, and everything. I understand it might get a little bit boring for you, but here's the main thought I want you to get. We're supposed to pray and talk to God. Parents, you ought to be teaching your children how to pray, okay? So, So listen, all the children... If your parents aren't praying with you and don't teach you anything about how to pray, you go up to them in a few weeks and say, the preacher said you're supposed to do that. Okay? Amen? Okay. So we're going to uh, look at, at some truths in the Bible uh, about prayer. So here's, here's the first truth uh, about uh, us having communication with him and that helping us be uh, God's best. Here's the first thought. Prayer is important to Jesus. So if prayer is important to Jesus, should not prayer be important to us if it was important to Jesus? Now, now, to give you the full background of that, remember who Jesus is. Jesus, God in the flesh. Amen? Jesus is just as much God as God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And yet, even though Jesus is God, Jesus saw the need for prayer. He saw the need to communicate with his Father. And if the one who is the God-man, who is fully God and fully man, if he saw the need for prayer, who are we to act like we don't need to see the importance of prayer? When Jesus saw the importance of prayer. So let me cover some things about Jesus and his prayer life. Often, Jesus left the crowds withdrawn alone to prayer. And here's one instance of that. Matthew 14, verse 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Now, the the background to this particular instance is this. Jesus had just fed 5,000 men plus the women and children. We don't know how many women and children are there. He had fed 5,000 men using... Two fish and five loaves of bread. <laughs> and he'd perform this miracle. So, so think about that. You're there, you're hungry, it's late in the day. Jesus just gives you free food. In other words, in that moment, Jesus would have been popular. Amen. It wasn't some time that people might have been upset with Jesus because of something he said. He just fed everybody for free and everyone would have been happy and they might have wanted Jesus to hang out where they could brag on him and give him some accolades and everything. But Jesus didn't take time to hang out with the crowd. Instead, he sent the crowd away and he did something more important. He pulled off by himself to pray to pray and seek the Father's face instead of just hanging out with him. It was a popular moment for him. It was late in the day. Jesus might have been tired because yes, he was God, but he was man in the flesh. So he could have been very tired, but still he goes and he prays into the night after he sent this crowd away. Jesus rose early, the Bible tells us, in the morning to pray. Mark chapter one, verse 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. That's how important Jesus thought prayer was. Get up early in the morning, still dark, and he was seeking the Father's face. Jesus often would slip away to pray in seclusion. We've already read one instance of that, but Luke 5, verse 16, but Jesus himself would often, often, in other words, it was his habit. He, he would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And sometimes the Bible tells us Jesus prayed all night. I've tried that before. I've actually done it before a couple of times. I'm not trying to brag, but I met with some other pastors, went up on top of a mountain before, and we were there all night long. But Jesus, that was almost a habit of his. He would pray all night. Luke 6, 12, in those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night, he continued in prayer to God. Now, that's just some habits about Jesus and his prayer life, but I want to tell you something about his prayer life that ought to encourage you. Jesus prayed for believers. In other words, Jesus prayed for you. And Jesus is still praying for believers. In his high priestly prayer, John 17 is really the prayer of Jesus. Some people will refer to a verse later on I'm going to allude to as the Lord's Prayer. The one that sometimes we'll just repeat, you know, and follow after me in a worship service. That's not the Lord's Prayer. That's a model prayer. Jesus in John 17 was praying a high priestly prayer, and he prayed for us. Because look what it says in part of that passage in verse 20. I do not ask on the behalf of these alone, talking about those disciples immediately then, but for those also who believe in me through their word. So guys, think about that. If if you need something to kind of charge your batteries a little bit, think about it. Before you were ever born, before your parents thought anything about having you, before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb, before you were ever alive, and before you ever came to know Christ as your Savior, Jesus prayed That you would believe. Jesus prayed for you. He prayed that you would believe through their word, the disciples' word, who he used to write the New Testament for us, that has given us information that has led us to trust Jesus as our Savior, if in fact you've done that. To to me, that ought to encourage us to know that Jesus prayed for me before I was born. He prayed for me before I was saved. But guys, he's not prayed for us and stopped praying. He is still praying for us. Because also look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. Who is to condemn? Which is Satan, by the way. Uh, that's not the point of this message. But it, it goes on and says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Do you get that? The crucified, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ right now today is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he is praying for you. Now, if that doesn't give you some confidence, and if that doesn't excite you a little bit, if that doesn't set your wood on fire, maybe your fire's too wet or so, your wood's too wet or something, Don't you know that he is praying for you. And guys, the Bible tells us this. Jesus even prayed when he was being crucified. (laughs) You know, who among us would have thought to do that? Someone's abusing us. They've beaten us. They've nailed us to a cross. They're all standing around, gazing at us, waiting for us to die. And yet what Jesus did was pray. He, He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do in Luke chapter 23. In Matthew 27 and Mark 15, the Bible says Jesus from the cross said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment when the sins of all mankind was placed upon Jesus, the Father looked away. He said in Luke 23, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, before he died, they didn't take his life from him. He gave his life. He committed his life to the Father, and he prayed that from the cross. So think about how that ought to maybe impact our lives just a little bit. How much better would our lives be? How much better would our service to Christ and other people be if we would pray for people that hurt us, if we would pray for people that abuse us, if we would pray for people that hate us like they were hating Jesus, and yet Jesus prayed for them, Father, forgive them. If we would do that instead of plot revenge and how we can get back, instead of we would pray for them. And if what? Would our life be like? How much better would our life be as Christians if we would be so concerned about staying so close to the Father that we don't ever feel forsaken by him? Amen? That Jesus wasn't forsaken because he wasn't close. He had all of our sins upon him because we ought to be that concerned that the Father doesn't ever forsake us. And how about this, that we can live our lives with such confidence that when we're about ready to draw our last breath... <laughs> We can pray and say, Father, I'm so sure of what you've done for me in Christ. I'm so sure of my relationship with you. I, I'm, I'm just committing my spirit into your hands. Well, wouldn't that change our focus of life? we could have that type of prayer life? Now, the main thought I'm wanting you to get from all those verses is simply this, guys, because prayer is very important to Jesus. Shouldn't prayer be important to us also? Second thing I want you to see about prayer from the Bible is this. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, not how to preach. Now, maybe he mentored them sometime in how to teach or how to proclaim a message, but we don't get an indication of that. But we have a clear indication that Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Even one of the disciples came up and asked him, the request to be taught how to pray was from one of his disciples. The Bible says this in Luke 11, verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples, and even though it says one, I bet the rest of them have been talking about it. Man, have you heard Jesus pray? Have you seen the way he prays? Have you seen him get up early in the morning and go pray? He stayed up all night and prayed? One of his disciples came and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, now to add impact to that, think about all the disciples had seen Jesus do. They had seen Jesus perform great miracles, had they not? But, but they didn't come and say, Jesus teach us how to do miracles. They, they had heard Jesus teach the Bible in amazing ways, proclaim messages. But, but they didn't come up and say, Jesus, teach us how to talk like that. Teach us how to speak like that. That almost goes against the grain in our culture because we put so much emphasis upon preaching. And guys, we need to have more emphasis upon prayer. Then they come up and they ask Jesus not how to do miracles, not how to preach, but they said, teach us how to pray. And that tells me this, that there must have been something about the prayer life of Jesus that grabbed their heart, that they grabbed their attention, so much so that they wanted Jesus to teach them how to pray like he prayed. We ought to be motivated by the praying of Jesus ourselves. Jesus gives a model prayer to them, following after that in in Luke 11. But Matthew 6 also gives us What's the Lord's model of prayer that he gives to his disciples? I'm going to read from Matthew instead of Luke. We'll be back to Luke in a moment. But here's how Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, in those statements, Jesus gives a model. Oh, it's not an exhaustive model. I'm not saying this is all we ought to pray. But in those words, we can find some things that should be part of our prayer life. let me cover some of those with you. First of all, in prayer, we should honor the Father's name. Hallowed be your name. I'm afraid, regrettably... Many people in their prayer life, when they get ready to pray about something, they're just praying and saying, God, I'm in trouble. God, I need this. God, help me with this. God, get this pressure out of my life. God, change this. God, I need help with my finances. God, I want this. God, I want that. God, I want this. Instead of taking time just to thank God for who he is, just to, in prayer, appreciate who he is, honor his name, hallow his name. We also should pray for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth to the same degree that His will is done in heaven. Because you, when you read that in the Greek, that's the tense of it. We're to be pray that to the same degree God's will is being done in heaven that it would be done on the earth. Now, now let me ask you a question: When is God's will being done in heaven? Always, <laughs> all the time. That means we ought to be praying to the same degree. God, we we want your kingdom to have influence in this world. God, we want your kingdom to have influence in our culture. God, we want your will to be done on earth. We want your will to be done in our lives. But by the way, if you're praying that, if you're praying, God, I, I want your will to be on earth as it is in heaven, guess what that includes? That includes your life. That includes my life. To where we are willing to say, God, I, I want your will active in my life. I want to be following your will in, in my life. We should also pray and trust God for our daily provisions. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Well, preacher, I go and I work hard for a living and everything, and I bought the groceries, and all. guess what? He's the one that gave you the breath in your lungs and allowed your heart to beat and gave you the ability to go earn a living. And we ought to always be thankful and ask God for our provisions. Amen. Instead of acting like we're really self-made. Here's the truth of it. There's not a single person that's a self-made individual. They might think they are, but they're not. We ought to also pray this. We ought to pray for forgiveness. In other words, guys, we aren't perfect yet. Is that a newsflash for you? Even though you know Christ is your Savior, there's still need for you to pray for forgiveness. And as we are praying for forgiveness, as we're asking God forgive us of our transgressions, of our deaths, you know what that all reminds us of? That we need to forgive other people. And we need to pray and ask God, forgive me, but Father, at the same time, help me to forgive others. Matter of fact, literally it says there, Father, forgive me to the degree that I forgive others. And that's a huge reminder that we ought to be practicing forgiveness. And, and the last aspect of the model prayer that Jesus gives there is this. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, protect us. God, guide us. God, keep us away from evil. God, keep us away from temptation. God, help us to escape evil. That ought to be part of our, our prayer life. I'm afraid we too often act like, well, the devil made me do it. You know, I was tempted and I can not help, but the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. Our problem is when we're tempted, we don't stop and pray and ask for God to show us a door of escape that Corinthians tells us about. And then on the other heels of the model prayer, coming back to Luke 11, on the other heels of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, Jesus illustrates that we should keep seeking God in prayer We should keep knocking, we should keep asking for this reason, knowing the Father's heart for His children. Don't just pray and give up. Keep asking, keep knocking with the awareness that God loves you, that God loves His children, and He wants to do what's best for you. Look at what's said in in verse 5 through 13. And He said to them, which of you that has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And then when you're asking this guy inside the house, he's going to answer back. Well, don't bother me. The door's not shut. My children are with me in bed. Um, I hope that's not literally the case because you will not have the marriage you ought to have if your children are still in bed with you. Amen. I cannot get up and give you anything. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend, yet because of his imputus. In other words, because he keeps asking. He keeps knocking. He, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And then Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, and he's continuing this illustration, what father among you, what parent among us, if our child, if our son were to ask for a fish, are you going to give him a serpent or a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion If you then who are evil, talking about us and our humanity, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, catch this, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God wants what's best for us. God is a loving Heavenly Father. He gave us the Holy Spirit in order that we may know how to ask and we may know how to pray. But but the point I want you to get is this, don't give up in your prayer life. Jesus prayed and Jesus tells us we ought to keep praying and he gives us a model prayer and then he tells his disciples, which is for us also, keep on praying, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking because your heavenly father loves you. He wants what's best for you. He has a heart for his children. So you need to keep asking. You need to keep praying. And what I want to close with, guys, is some various aspects of prayer. So I'm going to throw several thoughts at you. And like I said, you might want to just write down the thought in, in the verse and study it more later because I don't have time to go into it and unpack all of it. Some various aspects of prayer and our need to practice prayer in this way. First of all, successful prayer is centered upon God's will. Successful prayer is centered upon God's will. Look what I said in 1 John 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will. Do you see that part of it? Don't just read anything and stop. I, I told the first service, I'll tell you, right now we get, if we were to close the service out, stop the service, and, and, I, and I say, let's all pray for a new car. And let's pray as hard as we can for a new car that when we walk out the door, somehow God has transformed whatever you drove to a brand new car, whatever your dream car is, a Mercedes, a Corvette, a Porsche, whatever. Let's pray that really, really hard right now. And then let's go out and expect to see it in the parking lot. I doubt very seriously unless God has some other motive that we don't know about that that's going to happen. You want to know why? You're praying what you want, not what he wants instead of praying according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Asking in Jesus' name is not some magical formula. When we pray in the name of Jesus, it's not like we're putting a leash on on God, and we're directing God around to make him do what we want. When we pray, we're to pray in his will. And it's not some magical formula where you can just pray and, and say, well, God made me rich, or God give me this, or God do that. We're, we're to pray according to his will, which brings me back to the first message in this series. That's why you need to read the word of God. That's why you need to believe the word of God. That's why you need to apply the word of God, because this tells you what his will is. And as you pray his will, you can be confident. I'm not saying he'll answer it right away, instantly. But I'm saying this, if we are praying his will, what we know his will is, we can expect and anticipate God to move, God to hear. It may not be in our timing, but we can anticipate God to, to, to listen and God to, to move. Prayer should also be something that's constantly practiced. Look at First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. That includes COVID, doesn't it? <laughs> that includes a bad culture, doesn't it? Things that we may be facing in, in in our lives. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. Now I think we need to connect a couple of things there. He says, rejoice always, and then he says, pray without ceasing. I think our capacity to rejoice always is increased when we pray without ceasing. Amen? Because instead of allowing whatever that thing is, the circumstances we're facing to so discourage us and depress us and knock us down, because we're praying without ceasing, we've got the ability to rejoice and to trust Him on whatever our circumstances are. Romans 12, in verse 12, says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. How in the world can we be patient in tribulation? Keep reading in the verse. Be constant in prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. In other words, praying, by praying like that, you're keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints if you want to figure out how to expand your prayer life don't just pray about yourself you pray about others in the needs that they have matter of fact i failed to say something i should have said earlier when i was talking about praying god's will if you want to expand your prayer life because I heard heard an old pastor years ago say something. I am an old pastor now, but when I heard him say it, I was a young pastor at the time. He said, if you want to expand your prayer time, because most people got this list. God, please do this. I need this. I need that. You can pray through that in five minutes or less. He said, if you want to expand your prayer life, begin to want something for God. And if you want something for God, if you want God's will, if you pray wanting God to be glorified, that will expand your prayer time. If you will pray for others, that will expand your prayer time. And then notice what Paul writes. And also for me, that words may be given me and opened in my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as all to speak. Guys, I I don't want to make this emphasis on prayer this morning about me at all, but can I tell you something as your pastor? I covet your prayers. I need your prayers. I need you to pray for me daily that I will say what he wants me to say. Amen? That I will have the boldness to say what he wants me to say. That I will have the boldness to proclaim the gospel. Guys, as we look at what the New Testament says about prayer, we can also discover this, that prayer can be very effective. And you'll see why I say can be in just a moment. James 5, verse 13 through 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something here. Anointing with a person with oil is symbolic. It has not one thing to do with someone being healed because you put magical oil on their head. Because look what it says. And the prayer of faith, not the anointing of the oil, but the prayer of faith. And guys, I'm not saying it's wrong to anoint someone with oil. I'm not going to get up here and advertise. Hey, come down here and I'll anoint you with oil. But, if you're sick and you want someone to get together and anoint you with oil and pray over you, let us know and our deacons will do that. But it's not the oil that makes a difference. It's the prayer that makes a difference. Amen? And the <laughs> prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Catch this. Here's why I said prayer can be very effective. The prayer of a what does it say? Righteous person. In other words, you can't just be living your life any old way you want to live your life. Expect God to hear. Expect God to listen to you. It's a prayer of a righteous person that has great power, that's effective. And then he gives us an illustration of that. Elijah was a man with like nature, like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, now let me say something, and I'm not trying to be political, because it don't matter who's in charge, okay? Would to God that someone will walk into our government offices, no matter who's in charge. And say, until you correct things, until you start being concerned about God's will for our nation, it is not going to rain for three years and six months. It's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. That's what Elijah did to the king of that day. He walked in and said, it is not going to rain until I say it will rain. And then at the end of that time, he prayed and it rained. Wouldn't you like to see someone to have that much authority with God, that much much connection with God, that they could walk in to the halls of our government and say, until you change things, (laughs) this is the way it's going to be. And it will not change until I pray and ask for it to change. I think governments all across our world need that kind of wake-up call from God. The effectual prayer of a righteous man can change a lot of things. Let me give you about four other quick things, guys, and we'll close. Instead of practicing anxiety, because that's what we tend to do. Instead of practicing anxiety, instead practice praying. And as a result of practice praying, experience God's peace. Look at what's said in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But instead, in, but, but instead be doing this, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words, you tell yourself, sitting around worrying and being anxious and filled with anxiety all the time, pray. Let your request be made known to God in the peace of God. We're all understanding. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're going to do a tough time, pray. Don't let anxiety control your life. Pray. Let your faith in God control your life. The Bible also tells us this. We're to pray for all in authority. Once again, I'm not trying to be political. I don't care who is in charge. I will tell you this. Whenever the Holy Spirit inspired the, inspired the apostle Paul to write these words, you want to know who? Who was in control at that time. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Nero? Oh, he was a real nice king. <laughs> he, he treated Christians wonderfully. He would feed them to the lions. He would put them on poles and light them up and use them to light his garden parties. And yet God says to pray. He says, first of all then, I urge the supplications and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Say, well, preacher, my party's not in charge. It don't matter. Pray. I don't agree with who's in charge. It don't matter. Pray. We're commanded to pray for them. He says it's God's will. It pleases God. And here's why. He desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You know why you're praying for that person? Here's why you're praying. It's not necessarily that you're praying for them. You're praying that they will leave an open door for us to live a quiet, peaceful life and spread the gospel. That that other people might come to faith in Christ. The Bible also tells us this about prayer. Don't be afraid to ask. But you need to be sure you ask with the right motives. James 4, you do not have because you do not ask. God, simply sometimes we don't pray. We don't pray. We're not asking as we should. You ask and you do not receive. And here's why. Because you ask wrongly and spend it on your passions. That's why I said earlier, we can shut down the service and pray for an hour about a new car being out in the parking lot. Probably not going to happen because our motives are wrong. We weren't praying for God's will. Now, please get this last thought, this last thought about prayer. Pray with the pressure off. Pray with the pressure off. For, for some reason, all through the years I've been in the ministry, I, I see people get whacked out about praying. Please, please, please don't call on me in public to pray. <laughs> or even in a small group of people, please, please don't even call me in a small group to pray. I was pastor in my very first full-time church, and one day I called on a man to pray who I thought would be willing to pray because he was the kind of man that wanted to be vocal about everything else going on in the church. So I thought surely he'd be willing to pray. If we're giving toward a project, he would stand up and let everybody know, well, I will give this much to that. <laughs> well, I never asked him if he had prayed in public. I just called on him. Bowed my hand, awaited. Nothing, 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 nothing. I finally looked. He's standing behind someone and he's pushing, pushing, pushing the guy in front of him and made him get up and pray. Now, now why get that flipped out about praying? Here's why. You're just talking to your father. People get whacked out about prayer because they think, like, but I, I can't wax eloquent. I can't say all those words out here. You don't have to to take the pressure off and and pray. Let me give you a couple of passages and then we'll we'll close and have the invitation. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Amen. With groanings, by the way, which can't be uttered, it's not some kind of heavenly language, it's groanings that can't be uttered. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Look at this. According to the will of God. You might feel like you've got a deficit in being able to communicate and get it completely right. That's okay because God knows your heart and the Holy Spirit within you is helping to pray for you. Does that take the pressure off? And then look at this in in Matthew 6, verse 7 and 8. And when you pray... And and this was leading into the model prayer there in Matthew that I read from earlier. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. He said, don't be like them. No, don't think you have to wax eloquent. Don't think you have to say all these fancy words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows. Get this, guys. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. does that take the pressure off your praying oh i'm not saying don't pray i spent the whole morning saying we ought to pray but i am saying don't let that pressure you and think you can't do it you can't pull it off you're just talking to your daddy that already knows what you need as i said when we started the service a good relationship requires two-way conversation God speaks to us through his word. He wants for us to speak to him. He desires and longs for us to speak to him through prayer. prayer. God loves you. Jesus died for you. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of your life. All three of the Godhead want a personal, personal, personal relationship with you. God wants to communicate to you, and God wants you to communicate with him. God's best for you, that's the name of this series, God's best for you is found in communicating with him. So why not give it a try? Why not make it a habit in your life? Because of all the years I've been in the ministry, which is, I don't know, about 35 now. i have about quit counting because it makes me old. I dare say there's anyone in here or anyone in any church, I think, that I've probably ever preached a message that can say, I do all the praying that I need to do. I'm spending all the time in prayer that I really need to spend in prayer. I don't know any of us can raise our hands and truly say that because I'll be honest with you, I've never got to the point that I think I've prayed all that I need to pray. I don't know when you get to the point you can arrive at that because God just longs for us to talk to him and have a relationship with him. So maybe during this invitation time this morning, if you know Christ as your Savior, why not make a fresh commitment today? Just spend more time in prayer to your heavenly father. Just spend more time in prayer to your brother Jesus. <laughs> that's who he is. If you know Christ, is your savior. to spend more time in prayer with the confidence of the Holy Spirit that's in you. If you don't completely get the words right or everything, that's all right. <laughs> he knows the will of the father. He knows What you're struggling with, you might not even be able to communicate it. You might just be groaning inside you, but he knows. Amen. Let's pray. Father, forgive us that we don't spend the time communicating with you that we should. Father, I pray that you help these that know Christ as your Savior already this morning, right now to make a fresh commitment to have more of a habit in prayer, Father, the enemy wants to work against that. The enemy wants to rob time from them to where they won't spend time with you. Father, I pray that you help them fight against that. And we're not perfect. So Father, when we do fail to read our Bible or we do fail to pray, we've missed that. God, don't let us believe the lie of the devil that since we've messed up, we might as well just stay messed up. Father, well, help us to get back on track. To read your word and allow you to speak to us. To pray and speak to you. With the confidence that you're our Father who loves us. Lord, we'll pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Be in invitation time. You need to make a commitment. You can do it right where you are. If you need to come and kneel and pray. Or for some reason you need to talk to John or myself. Either one. Then we're here to help. Darrell's also here. He can come up and stand here at the front. If you need somebody to pray with you, please come during this time. And while I've mainly talked today to people that know Christ and how they ought to pray, if you don't know Him, this is a time for you also—a time for you to admit right now that you don't know Christ as your Savior, that you are a sinner. But it's time for you to pray and tell him, I'm going to fully, completely trust in what Jesus did on the cross and invite him into your life to be your Lord and to be your Savior. If you do that, please let us know before you leave today. Please stand.
0: Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.